This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. listening to the Giving Thought podcast. This is the podcast from CAF Think Tank, Giving Thought, in which we look at big issues and themes relating to philanthropy and civil society. I'm your host, as ever, Rod Davis, uh, and this is the fourth in our current series on European philanthropy during and after COVID-19. I hope you enjoyed those that you've listened to so far. Uh, And this episode, we are talking to Carola Carazzone, who is the Secretary General of Asifero, which is the uh, Italian um, membership body for grant-making organisations, foundations. Uh, I had a great chat with Carola. It was really interesting for me to find out a lot about, uh, that I didn't know certainly, about the sort of particular context around philanthropy in Italy, some of the historical background, how it looks currently, um, the kind of different balance between corporate foundations, local giving, all that sort of thing. Um, so we talked uh, quite a lot about you know the way in which Italian philanthropy is heavily regional. Um, we talked uh, quite a lot about the relationship between government and philanthropy in Italy, which you know didn't sound like Carol thought was wonderful, as we've heard from people in many other places. Obviously, there's I think a definite desire to get a better, more sophisticated narrative in uh, in governments uh, around Europe and beyond about philanthropy and its role. Um, we talked obviously particularly about the context around. COVID-19. Obviously Italy was hit particularly early within Europe and particularly badly by by the the pandemic Um, and so we talked about the role that philanthropy had played there in responding to it and how the uh, pandemic had potentially kind of affected views on philanthropy uh, and what it might mean for philanthropy in Italy and Europe more broadly going uh, going forward. Um, We talked uh, as we have done in the series as well about the sort of specific question of the role of infrastructure and philanthropy support organizations like Asifero um, and kind of understanding what some of the elements of value that they bring to the table are, whether um, we need to make a sort of stronger case post-COVID for the value of infrastructure and what that might mean in terms of kind of convincing people and making sure that we uh, fund it sustainably over the longer term. Uh, and we talked about what sort of levels uh, of infrastructure we could be talking about at, at a kind of local, national and European level. Um, so without further ado, let's go into the conversation uh, with Carola. Um, and as ever, I'll be back at the end for a little bit of uh, housekeeping. Okay, great. Um, so I'm here with Carola Carazzone. Hi, Carola. Hi, Rodri. Nice to be with you. Lovely to have you here. And uh, Carola is the Secretary General of Asifero, which is a um, membership organisation for foundations in Italy. Um, but perhaps, you know, the best place to start is for you to tell us a bit in your own words about what Asifero is and, and what it does and sort of how you came to, to work in the world of philanthropy. Oh, of course. So Asifero is the Italian Association of uh, Grant Making Foundation of uh, uh, Private Funders, uh, Family Corporate Community Foundation. Let's say um, all the uh, foundations in Italy that are not uh, banking origin foundation. In Italy, we have this huge 
banking origin foundation that were established by law in 1999. They are 88. Um, and, and then, uh, and so Asifero uh, represents the others. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, um, and we are a membership association. So, um, we are uh, really uh, trying to make the uh, philanthropic uh, system a system in Italy. So to make uh, Italian foundation, Italian funders more informed, more connected, and hopefully more effective. Uh, so we work on connections, we work on capacities, we work on capabilities, we work on um, credibility, uh, and, and we are really trying to be a kind of uh, uh, leadership organization, not just uh, um, a membership association that represents the, the interest group uh, of foundation in Italy, but really has an uh, embracing uh, a bit the complexity of today and really um, want to work uh, towards um, uh, a more uh, informed and effective uh, system for better communities uh, and, and, and better care of the planet too. Excellent. Um, and certainly I was interested in what you were saying up front there about the the, the difference um, in the, the foundation sector there between those that were created from the sort of financial services industry and then others that are perhaps more like other grant making organizations and foundations in other countries. Because I think people who are listening who know nothing about the Italian context might not be aware of, of that sort of thing. Could, I was just going to say, could you say a bit more about sort of what the, the overall philanthropy sector in Italy looks like, both you know, sort of where it's where it's come from and what the what the balance is at, uh, at the moment? Uh, of course, um, Italy um has a kind of uh, millennial old uh, century uh, and millennial old uh, culture of giving. Um, it's a very Catholic country still. Um, so um, I would say that it's really in the DNA um, of so many people and so many institutions to give. To give uh, uh, to charities and for uh, <laughs> decades, for uh, centuries, for uh, many centuries, to give to the Catholic Church. So, uh, to congregations, to parishes, and so on. Um, but uh, in in front of this very uh, uh, old culture of uh, uh, charitable giving, um, of assisting the poor, of trying to um, alleviate a situation of poverty and so on. Um, it's much more recent, a kind of uh, modern philanthropic culture. Um, so establishing a foundation, establishing um, a uh, institutional philanthropy organization is, uh, is not something uh, that goes back more than uh, 
20, 30 years in the country, let's say 20. So if I look uh, at family foundation, if I look at corporate foundation, if I look at uh, community foundation in Italy, they were all established uh, apart from very few exceptions in the last 20 years. And this is because of many reasons. Um, I, can, I can think of so many, you know, um, probably the, the, the loss of power of the Catholic Church. So uh, the uh, people that, uh, rich people, wealthy people that want to uh, have a more uh, uh, international standard philanthropy. This is, for example, in the fashion industry in uh, uh, in Milan, uh, a very pooling factor in order to establish a corporate foundation in the fashion industry world, but uh, also a kind of uh, of the legacy uh, of the cultural legacy of the country. So we had uh, in uh, um, uh, you know problems with uh, um, kind of uh, um, uh, opacity uh, about uh, wealthy, for example, due to security reasons, due to mafia, due to, for example, what we had in the 70s that is really still uh, uh, scars that are in the Italian society with Brigate Rosse and this attack on uh, um, people with endowment and uh, people of wealth. So um, it, it's uh, there, there are most probably um, many different uh, uh, sociological, religious and cultural reasons behind uh, the fact that Italian philanthropy um, uh, in modern terms is, is quite a recent phenomena. And uh, for example, the Banking Origin Foundations were established in 1999. And uh, they were, um, uh, Based, uh, established by law, and uh, uh, based on the uh, endowment of the saving banks, especially in the region of the north, they uh, are really um, characterized by huge endowments, endowments in terms of uh, several uh, billion. Uh, if I think of Fondazione Cariplo or Compagnia di San Paolo. And, uh, and so they have a, a model of uh, grant making. Um, while a family and uh, corporate foundation are not characterized by uh, huge endowments, there are no fiscal uh, incentives, no fiscal benefit in Italy in order uh, when you establish a um, private foundation in order to uh, put a lot of endowment there. So uh, most of the family and corporate foundation have um, their uh, spending capital decided um, uh, year by year by the uh, governance. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, and so you, you mentioned in, in passing earlier on one one example being community foundations. Um, I wanted to ask, um, we were talking just before we started recording the podcast about the 
the fact that Italy still has you know very strong regional identities and actually you know when you travel around it you get the sense that it's in some sense sort of multiple different smaller countries uh, parceled up together in one is that reflected in the philanthropy sector I mean is is with these foundations and philanthropy more broadly is there a strong regional element to it or does some of it happen at a national or international level there is a uh, there is a very big uh, regional uh, and local element uh, both in the banking origin foundation that are bond to the territory where the endowment comes from uh, the saving banks um, so uh, very uh, uh, bond to uh, work uh, with the big majority of their spending to the specific province or to the specific territories um, they are based uh, in. But I would say that is um, really this uh, trend of localism, also a trend for um, most of the family foundation. For corporate foundation, I would say that uh, um, uh, they can be considered more uh, nationwide uh, mandate uh, holders. But for um, family banking origin foundation, and of course for community foundations, this element is very, very relevant in Italy. And you know, Italy is still... uh, is actually even uh, worsening in terms of inequalities after the COVID-19 crisis. Um, Also, in terms of all the economic, social, cultural, uh, uh, education-wide indicators, uh, is really uh, a country that is intrinsically uh, characterized but by many differences and by many inequalities uh, so most of the um, companies most of the enterprise most of the wealth uh, is in the northern region in Lombardy in Piedmont in uh, in Veneto in Emilia and uh, uh, the the central and especially the southern regions um, have uh, uh, really a different uh, history and, and different uh, situation in terms of uh, uh, all uh, the different uh, um, sectors. And uh, um, so one of the attempts, for example, to somehow balance uh, these uh, inequalities in terms of endowments of banking foundation in the north and in the south was the initiative that led uh, 10 years ago to the establishment of uh, uh, a wonderful foundation that is called Fondazione con il Sud, which uh, was uh, really uh, established by the initiative of uh, um, banking origin uh, foundations. And that is really in terms of endowment, but is focusing in terms of spending um, uh, uh, to five regions of the South. So through uh, towards the, the five uh, uh, more uh, disadvantaged uh, regions uh, in the South. And uh, uh, this is uh, this is important in terms of community foundations that you were asking. Um, community foundations 
uh, to me are so relevant in uh, in uh, in a context like the Italian one that uh, has uh, um, different uh, uh, assets and different needs at a local level. And we really hope uh, as a Cifero to make the difference and to um, really uh, can uh, ignite uh, a movement uh, to uh, um, that can experience a growth uh, of community foundation around the country, both in terms of quantity and quality. At the moment, Italy has um, 40 uh, community foundations. And uh, um, I really hope that we can, uh, uh, let's not say becoming like German, Germany with uh, more than 300 community foundation, but maybe with like 150 in, in a few years. And, and there is a, a an interest, an interest uh, in the approach of community foundations. I, I love the, the, the idea that in Italy we have several models. I don't like the word models, actually. It's more uh, several <laughs> um, different uh, uh, ways of interpreting um, the community foundations. So in, in Lombardy, for example, the 16 community foundation in Lombardy, in the region of Milan, uh, they uh, were established uh, with uh, quite uh, significant endowments and uh, with a model of really managing uh, the endowment and uh, and then spending the spending side with the um, grant making uh, bits. Uh, I would say quite sophisticated uh, grant making models. Uh, while in the south, uh, where uh, the traditional endowment were not available, so there was a lot of uh, resilience and a lot of creativity in imagining um, assets-based um, community philanthropy in a completely innovative way. And I have in my mind, for example, what the uh, Fondazione di Comunità uh, of San Gennaro in uh, Naples, in one of the poorest areas uh, of Naples, Rione Sanità. I don't know if you read Elena Ferrante, <laughs> that many people around the world know about this uh, neighborhood in Naples uh, from Elena Ferrante books. <laughs> and um, and uh, uh, they uh, just thought uh, out of the box and start looking at uh, a cultural uh, heritage, a cultural um, um, asset that they had, which was the catacombe di San Gennaro, the catacombs. And, and they asked to the uh, church, to the Catholic church uh, there, to uh, just give them uh, that assets to manage for 30 years. And with this contract sign, which was all they had, what they had in terms of endowment, they started really um, uh, managing these uh, assets in a completely different way, transforming it like with uh, from a 5,000 visitors a year that were just scholars and researchers and some priests and nuns 
to like 100,000 visitors because they have invented concerts. They have invented so much, bringing really people from the other parts of Naples, from the other parts of the region and from actually all over to visit this neighborhood uh, of Naples that was actually uh, before just consider gangs and very violent and very uh, insecure uh, and so on. And they even transformed the social imagination and transformed the perception and the narrative. And in, in five years, they could really um, manage uh, as community foundation uh, to, to really have an impact, a huge impact on that neighborhood. And I have several other examples from uh, the South, from Messina in Sicily, from Agrigento also in Sicily. So uh, there are different ways of, uh, of really building the assets, the local assets, building the local capacities and building the local trust um, through community foundations, which are quite, uh, quite interesting actually. Yeah, I mean, absolutely fascinating examples. And um, certainly one of the, the things I've been talking to people sort of elsewhere uh, across Europe and, and working at a sort of uh, pan-European level, um, in terms of differences between places, certainly seems to be the relationship with government or the state or the perceptions that government has of philanthropy and its role. Perhaps you could just give us a bit of a sense in, in Italy of what the attitude of the government is towards philanthropy, whether it's positive, whether it's even aware of philanthropy, or, or whether it sees it as, you know, something that it's in competition with. Yeah, we are still struggling about it <laughs> in the sense that um, this, the Italian uh, state, the Italian government, uh, in the best uh, of the uh, cases, is looking at philanthropy as an ATM uh, machine <laughs> uh, in order to fill some of the gaps of the welfare state. Um, so uh, they um, look at philanthropy at local level, so in the local authorities, but uh, meaning also um, at the city level, at the regional level, really uh, to a stakeholder to whom refer when uh, there is um, a, a, a lack of money, a gap in terms of public uh, money and spending. So uh, we still have um, a bit uh, of uh, uh, way to walk uh, in order to um, make the case and being um, uh, better and better, to, better and better to make the case to see the role of philanthropy not just as an afterthought uh, to look uh, to when you have uh, something to uh, fill, uh, but really uh, as a strategic um, ally as a strategic role. So uh, when I, what I really see as a difference that philanthropy can make is not only when um, gives away a grant, but when really um, philanthropy is enabled to pull together uh, different kinds of capital. So apart from the financial capital, also the intellectual, relational, human capital that actually um, uh, 
people uh, in philanthropy and funders have. So uh, really to untap uh, this kind of uh, continuum of capital, uh, of different kinds of capital. Um, and this is not uh, yet perceived by the local and national government. I gave you an example. During the, the COVID-19, um, uh, it was because um, so much money were uh, actually raised by, uh, were actually um, given by um, foundation, by uh, companies and uh, individuals in terms of uh, private money to uh, face especially the health emergency hopefully also to, to try to face the economic and social consequences of the crisis, um, that the government finally have um, somehow acknowledged for the first time um, inviting, uh, for example, Asifero <laughs> uh, uh, and to, uh, uh, to um, be heard on the um, state Stati uh, Generali um, dell'Economia, on this um, national recovery plan that the government uh, is currently uh, uh, drafting and elaborating. But it was the very first time of a very official year um, otherwise, we started a couple of years ago of being part of this uh, third sector uh, institutional uh, platform, uh, also with the government. But we are really still making um, the case for the recognition of uh, a more strategic um, role for philanthropy. And yeah, I mean, that certainly reflects what I've heard from others. I think that across many countries, even where the uh, the government is perhaps more advanced in its relationship with an understanding of philanthropy, I think everyone in the philanthropy world would always like a more sophisticated understanding and, and a better narrative about what philanthropy is. Um, you mentioned a couple of times there the, the specific sort of challenges around the, the COVID-19 pandemic and, and the response to it. And um, I, it'd be good to, to talk about that a bit more in the Italian context, because I know people listening, I think, will be very aware that Italy was very prominent in certainly in the early stages of, of the pandemic as, as a place that suffered enormously in the sort of first wave as it came into Europe but perhaps people won't know as much about what philanthropy did in in the response to that so perhaps you could say a bit about what the response from uh, foundations and other philanthropic organizations has been and what sort of role they've been playing. Of course, uh, Italy was uh, severely beaten by the COVID crisis because, of course, was the, the, the first country in, in the Western world. And unfortunately, sometimes in Europe, we are culturally arrogant and we haven't uh, learned from uh, China and Taiwan and South Korea. So we were caught um, uh, by surprise. Actually, uh, for two weeks, uh, people in Italy kept uh, going to the mainstream uh, urgency, medical urgency, and, and, and the virus, especially in, in Lombardy, which is, of course, the most uh, rich and more dynamic and more connected international region, um, 
was uh, spreading in 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 at a very high uh, pace so the 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 the, the 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 health emergency really was was very very uh, uh, profound uh, and uh, and and diffuse uh, and broad um, and philanthropy um, was able uh, to raise many money and to face the health emergency. So for the very first time in the history of um, our country, we were, uh, as Ifero, together with Italian nonprofit, able to map the philanthropic response. We were very... Um, uh, quick uh, in trying to uh, start this mapping because we really wanted to have uh, uh, the opportunity to analyze afterwards uh, what was the Italian philanthropy response. So we started mapping um, the uh, the numbers and collecting data about uh, donations, about uh, types of donations, about the types of donor, about the types of uh, grantees and beneficiaries. And actually we map 757 million. Uh, but uh, uh, this is, of course, not the time for a self-celebration at all. Uh, I mean, uh, Italy is coming out of uh, from the COVID-19 as one of the most unequal countries in the world. Inequalities are in Italy widening and deepening in, in, in different spheres quality of the environment, but also civil, cultural, educational, economic and social uh, opportunities and freedoms. And um, so there are really inequalities that are widening in northern and south regions, in urban and, uh, uh, and rural areas, mountain areas, and even in different neighborhoods in the same cities. And, uh, and so, um, this is uh, not really the, the, the time for, uh, for, uh, for self-celebration. Um, very much in line with uh, what you uh, have uh, analyzed with uh, other northern re um, countries, uh, Rodri, uh, I can recognize even in Italy three uh, kind of major innovation in Italian philanthropy that uh, were uh, happening during the last months, during the COVID crisis, and uh, that were innovation that we were hoping for for a very long time. And the first one being digitalization in a country that, uh, like mine, like Italy, that has a very significant digital divide. Um, second, uh, being uh, a bit more open about data collection and the gathering of data in a country that has a kind of resistance uh, to transparency for philanthropy. Uh, and this resistance is really interwoven uh, by the widespread Catholic, Catholic charitable culture of not showing off, but also with uh, complacency, of course. And then the third very important innovation for us was um, that more flexible, less bureaucratic, less asymmetrical modalities of funding and reporting were endorsed by Italian funders during the COVID um, 
crisis. And of course, uh, we have to see now, no? If these were just innovations that are just the blink of an eye, or they have the potential of really transforming uh, Italian philanthropy and becoming uh, uh, permanent and really trickle down uh, in uh, the funders, uh, organizations and, uh, and culture. So um, <laughs> that is, is still to be seen. And we, of course, as Asifera are working hard to try to, to contribute to this change. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, definitely echoes, I think, what we're, we're hearing from other places. But I think ev- everybody has that question on their minds. Are these merely short term changes through necessity or will they have longer term impacts in terms of how philanthropy is done? And, and I guess for those of us who want want that to be the case there's a there's an argument we need to be intentional about making sure it happens rather than just hoping that it does um i, I wanted to come back you were saying before i think that the data project and the mapping uh, that you've done is is fascinating and i know you were saying it's not the time to sort of stand back and and be self-congratulatory but w- one thing it made me think i mean one of the things through these conversations i'm trying to to get at is what the particular role and value of infrastructure is in in the philanthropy world and it certainly seems like a good example of highlighting the the unique value of you know an infrastructure organization that can and sit at a higher level and kind of map out the the landscape of philanthropy and and join it up a bit do you get any sense that uh, organizations in the philanthropy sector in in Italy or beyond, beyond that in Europe ha- have come round to appreciating the value of infrastructure more during this crisis? I hope so. I hope so. And uh, But I think we have to really uh, deploy all intentional effort to consolidate this. Um, philanthropy support organizations have really a key role to play uh, in the coming years. They can no longer be just a membership association representing some interest group or a really neutral organization that are supporting their members in achieving individual results. I, I would really like to see and work for a philanthropy support organization in Italy and in Europe that in a vision of system change um, are really particularly well placed in order to impact um, social change and becoming more leadership and learning organizations. And of course, uh, as a multiplier, as um, as developers uh, of the capacities, of the capabilities uh, of uh, what philanthropy uh, can do for uh, a better uh, world. Um, So I think that they have some um, long-term vision and kind of uh, perfect uh, uh, placement in order to um, uh, embrace the complexity, embrace the complexity of today's world, um, establishing kind of multi-stakeholder partnerships at national and European level. So uh, uh, collectively, they can really 
have uh, a huge impact on the value, on the voice, and on the impact. So collective value, collective voice, collective impact of philanthropy that no one single uh, uh, foundation or funder could ever reach alone. So it is not anymore the time of solipsism uh, to face the complexity of today's challenges and the speed and the scale of today's challenges. And this is um, still a hope uh, for me uh, because, of course, for example, uh, in my country, it's is not for granted. I mean, um, the, uh, this kind of... Uh, uh, association culture, this kind of collective culture. We are a very individualistic country, a country of prima donna, where uh, really uh, uh, each uh, um, uh, foundation was characterized for the uh, this last decade of uh, with a lot of uh, solipsism and with a lot of uh, uh, independence and uh, and and being uh, i would say a bit uh, self contained you no know, and a bit navel gazing uh, because of course um, they can survive uh, alone they don't need uh, uh, Others, they have their money, they have, but this is a very limited vision. So if you consider yourself just an ATM machine, uh, then you don't need anyone else because uh, if you just want to distribute some uh, uh, charitable grants, you can stay um, uh, isolating in your solipsism. But if you really want to, to make a difference, a collective difference, in terms of value, voice, and impact, I mean, uh, philanthropy support organizations do have a very important role to play. Yeah, and it's really interesting to hear you make that point about solipsism. Um, and I think it, it feels as though maybe it has a particular resonance, as you're saying, um, in this sort of Italian cultural context. But actually, I think it's a problem much more broadly for philanthropy. I think there's a certain sort of myth of heroic individualism and a desire on the part of donors or organizations not just to do good with their assets but to know that it was their assets particularly that were the ones that achieved something and actually I think getting past that mindset to one where you genuinely collaborate and sort of dial down your own ego is is one of the sort of big challenges for philanthropy. Um, Absolutely, ego. Yes, silos. Yes, egos and silos can be really the the enemies, no? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm aware I'm in danger of keeping you too long, so I just I have two more questions that I that I wanted to ask you before before I let you go, if that's okay. The the first was you you've mentioned there, and I think you mentioned before about the the fact that um, membership bodies and uh, philanthropy infrastructure bodies and support organisations need to to sort of look past the idea that they just reflect their membership or the kind of the interests of their membership and they take a leadership role themselves and I wanted to ask do you, I've, I've talked about this with a few other people because this is a point a lot of people have made do you think that goes beyond sort of leadership in the sense of representing the philanthropy sector as it is now to actually taking a role challenging the sector to move further um, and I think I was thinking of that particularly around things like the climate crisis, where it seems as though 
actually infrastructure bodies can play potentially a very powerful role by pushing individual funders you know further than they might ever go on their own because they can see things collectively i i do believe that but i think that the only way to do it in a sustainable way is really with a kind of uh, leadership that is a bit nudging change so not pulling and rip off you know um uh, being uh, but really questioning more than answering so what we are trying to uh, uh, carry out in terms of uh, really um, inspiring uh, uh, italian funders in order to to be more courageous in embracing the challenges of today's world. And you mentioned, of course, um, uh, the climate uh, crisis, but I want to stress also the point about inequalities. So, um, I mean, uh, what kind uh, of, uh, of really... Uh, how do we want to tackle educational inequality, cultural inequality? How do we want to tackle issues, complex issues like uh, migration or racism uh, that are really uh, the challenges of our time together with the climate crisis and together? So, um, and, and, and so um, the, the kind of leadership that uh, philanthropy support organization can really uh, bring uh, to the system in order to uh, question the current modalities, question the current status quo, and question, uh, keeping question uh, uh, private funders to ask more from themselves. So to be more courageous and at the same time to be more humble, more so I think that that uh, it seems uh, kind of uh, oxymoric, but it's not. So at the same time, to be more courageous, to embrace real um, challenges uh, in way that are really making a difference. So um, not just supporting some uh, uh, services uh, uh, to women victim of violence, but really uh, start funding strategic litigation and start challenging why Italian women that have experienced domestic violence do not go uh, to denounce it, uh, even if, of course, there is a good law, which is always the case in Italy, uh, very good laws, but then are not implemented. So, of course, it, it, there is a, a, a good law uh, that protects in abstract terms uh, it, women from uh, domestic violence, but then uh, there are more traditional bias and implicit stereotyping and constraint that actually 
um, don't allow, don't empower women to really denounce. So uh, if you are serious uh, to really tackle domestic violence, then uh, most probably the, the, the way is really questioning and not only trying to protect uh, the victims, but really trying to, to go to the root causes, to try to, to fund and support a system change on that issue. And, and so um, I think that uh, uh, the way philanthropy support organization can lead uh, this kind of uh, 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 change uh, in uh, uh, individual uh, funders is really questioning. It's really uh, trying to nudge, uh, uh, ask people to ask better and different questions and to create safe space where others can do the same and really uh, are able to uh, learn uh, a kind of uh, uh, learning environment, a constantly learning environment that really break down barriers and frame new uh, possibility, sharing some compelling visions and uh, inspire uh, people for uh, for being more brave and more humble at the same time. And um, and I think that. Uh, is 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 this uh, also a very interesting role that uh, uh, philanthropy support organizations should uh, pursue excellent well you you've managed to answer my second question that I had stored up anyway so and that seems like a, a very optimistic uh, note on which to to leave things so i just wanted to to say you know thank you ever so much for for finding the time to come on it's been a pleasure to have the the chance to talk to you um but before you go i mean is there anything that you would like to to point people towards that you're working on i'll put i'll put details in the show notes to to Asifero and some of the work you've been doing, but if there's anything particular that you, you would like to highlight, now now's the opportunity. Yes, my message is about funding practice and really about uh, how much modalities or, of funding uh, are really impacting on civil society organization in Southern Europe, in Eastern Europe, but I think all over the world. So I think that um, for... Uh, uh, it is so important. Italian civil society organizations uh, were really already weakened and, and disempowered before the COVID-19 crisis, but today they are really starving. And I think that the modalities of funding uh, that are so bureaucratic, so project uh, restricted, so um, micro activities out put uh, uh are really having a huge impact so i i know that uh, in the uk or uh, in in uh, other northern countries uh, like the practice of uh, core support of uh, giving more flexible more long-term funding is uh, uh, much more spread compared to southern Europe but this is is really something we are trying to um, to uh, to to show how much the modalities of funding and reporting are really keeping civil society organization in a kind of a starvation cycle and, and, and strangling uh, them. And um, we would like really to make a difference on this. So to have a more transformative philanthropy that is really um, able to uh, give with more trust 
uh, and to give uh, uh, as an ally, so to resource um, civil society organization and maybe one day movement, <laughs> social movement, in a way uh, that is resourcing really mission oriented, that is really impact oriented and not just controlling the inputs, but really trying to uh, work together as partners to reach a mission, to reach uh, an impact area. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned about funding social movements there, which is one of my favourite topics. And I would, I, ask you, I would ask you a question, but then we'd have a, a whole other hour of podcast. But maybe we can come back and do a part two. Uh, and of talk course. About, about, about With pleasure. With pleasure, anyway, Robbie. Thank you ever so much, Carola. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, well, my thanks uh, to Carola once again for finding the time to come on the podcast. It was a pleasure to have the chance to talk to her. Um, I'll put links in the show notes to various things that we discussed during the podcast. Uh, If you're interested in reading more about issues to do with philanthropy and civil society, please do check out the Giving Thought pages at the CAF website. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Rodri underscore H underscore Davis or at Philiteracy if you want my other feed, which is more about uh, academic writing on philanthropy and particularly sort of history. Um, If you've got ideas for things we could talk about here on the podcast or people I could interview, drop us a line at givingthought at cafonline.org. Other than that, just like, subscribe, tell all your friends about it, leave us a nice review uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we will see you next time. Bye!